Well, we're in our final week of uh, Let Hope Rise, fifth, fifth lesson, and we've been talking about uh, why hope should rise in the life of the believer, no matter what life is thrown at you. And, and as, as we're talking about this, we've been walking from the burial of Jesus and his resurrection on Easter Sunday to now we're going to hit the ascension of Jesus and, and reference the ascension of Christ. And we've been walking through this, this period of time between resurrection and ascension and, and pulling out stories about where, where people had lost hope in some way, and yet because of Christ, they have hope restored in their lives and that we can have hope restored in our lives as well. And we're looking today at the power that God gives to his people. Now, as we look at this, we, we step out of the, the Gospels and we step into the uh, book of history in the New Testament called the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 1 is where we launch ourselves today. And it's, he, uh, Luke is writing, he's the author of the book of Luke. And he says, I, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice a couple of words. He said, began to do and teach. He's referencing Jesus, who in the book of Luke, he, he, he wraps up the book of Luke by saying, Jesus ascended to heaven and there sits at the right hand of the Father. And he, he, here he is saying, that's the wrap up of Jesus' story. And yet in the book of Acts, he, the same author is writing and he's saying, oh, Theophilus, I want to tell you what Jesus, I told you before, what Jesus began to do and teach. We would think that the story of Jesus has been all wrapped up. Now we're moving on to something different. But Luke says, no, that was the beginning. The story of Jesus continues. I thank God that the story of Jesus continues in your life and in mine. I thank God that it doesn't just end with him going to heaven and that's it, but, but he has a plan for you and I. He has a plan to interact with our lives even today. Now, he's, he's writing to this person called Theophilus, and, and there's a great debate, and nobody really knows who Theophilus is. Uh, it could be a particular individual that Luke was writing to, but it could also be a classification of people, because Theophilus means one who is uh, admired or one who you know, is esteemed, esteemed person. So it could be a classification of people, or it could be an individual person. But either way, Luke is saying, let me tell you, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. Let me continue on with this story of Jesus and, and what Jesus has done. Because what we see happen at the end of the Gospels and move in, into the book of Acts as it starts to lay out the story of the church is we see divine power shifting its focus and shifting where it sits. And it begins to sit into, in the life of the believer. You see, divine power had always worked within humanity or with humanity. From Adam and Eve, you find God walking with them in the garden. He's speaking to them in the garden. He's, he's teaching them in the garden. They fall. And when they fall, God says, okay, I want you to make animal sacrifice. I want you to, uh, I want you to continue to be in relationship with me. So let me give you a way to bridge the gap between where you were and where, where you've gone to, to where we can remain in relationship together. That's what God does. And so you have him speaking to Adam and Eve. Then you have him speaking to Noah. Noah built an ark. 
And then after that, you have him speaking to Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob. And you have God doing these amazing things on behalf of the people of God that he's called. He's talking to them and he says, Noah, go, okay, build the ark. Noah builds the ark. Go into the ark. Noah goes into the ark. God closes the door. Many days later, God opens the door. Noah, come out of the ark. Noah comes out of the ark. Noah, build an altar. Noah builds an altar. Noah, set up things this way. Noah starts setting things up that way. And so God is is working on behalf of his people. But then you have God start to do things a little different when you see Moses come on the scene. God says, Moses, I I want you to lead the people out of Egypt. So now these slaves come out of Egypt, going through the Red Sea, and they make a pit stop between uh, Egypt and the promised land at this mountain called Sinai. And at this mountain called Sinai, God says, I want to give you the law. Why give them the law? Because he wanted to change them from a a slave people to a nation of people. He wanted to organize them into the the nation of Israel. And so he has to give them the layout of how that looks. And if you've never controlled anything, then suddenly you you get to control things. Then then things don't always go the way that they should. So so he laid down some laws. Just look at a, a freshman college student's checkbook and you'll see they don't always go the way that they should. (laughs) because now I've got power that I didn't have before and I've I've got to organize and control my own world and so here he is and and, and part of what the law said was I want you to build a tabernacle and this is how I want you to build it why do you need a tabernacle God? I need a tabernacle because I want to live among my people I want to work among my people I've been working on my people's behalf But now I want to live among them. So now you have the the tabernacle of Moses that could be moved all around the wilderness on into uh, the promised land. And then eventually you have the temple of Solomon where the the presence of God lived in the temple. And so God's living among his people at that point. But the prophet Ezekiel begins to write and he says, you know what? Israel didn't do what I called them to do and what I told them to do. So eventually the presence of God, according to Ezekiel, leaves the temple. You see it at the altar, then it's at the back door, and then it leaves entirely. And we find Israel and Judah going into slavery, and they go into a time of slavery where where now they're under the dominion of other people and and other nations. And then, then you find Jesus on the scene. Thank God Jesus was born. When Jesus was born, the time of silence, what we call the years of silence, end. Because until between Ezekiel writing about the the, the presence of God leaving the temple and, and now you have Jesus showing up in that time period, you don't have any particular place where, where there's the, the, the manifested presence of God working in his people. Yes, he, he still loved his people. He still cared for his people. He still protected his people. But we don't have any, we don't have any specifics there. And, and, so, and so now Jesus is born and he is God made flesh, the son of God on earth. He is, he is a, a manifestation or, or, or a, uh, a visible image of God. He said, me and my father are one. He said, I come in my father's name. And, and, and he said, the things that I do, I do because the father tells me to do them. And I don't do anything that the father doesn't say to do. And, 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 and so he, 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 he is operating in the power of God. Divine power is operating with him. So whenever he talks to the boy who 
is, uh, who is dead in the, in the town of Nain and his mother is there and she's already lost her husband and he says, son, get up. The, bo- the boy rises up and the dead are raised because divine power, creative power is within Jesus Christ. And, and so here he is going throughout his whole ministry, divine power working in him. And then now he ascends to heaven. Theoretically, that divine power is now gone, but Jesus, before he leaves, gives some words. And and he says, divine power has always operated in a person that was called, a situation where God just interacted with because of his own will and, and so on and so forth. And now I've operated in the power and authority of God. But divine power is going to begin operating in an entirely different way. In fact, he says this, In Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He said the divine power is not going to rest in a specific single person or place. It's going to be in the life of the believer from this point forward. So that means if you are a believer here today, the ascension shifted the the progression of God's expression of divine power as the Holy Spirit came to rest in your life and in mine. He indwells the believer. So initially, God worked on behalf of his people. Then he worked among his people. And today, he works within his people, the Holy Spirit, in your life and in my life. What an incredible thing it is to have the Holy Spirit operating within your life and my life. Jesus at work in us. Jesus at work with us. Jesus at work for us. God in operation in your life and in mine. And the Romans 8 tells us if God is for us, who can possibly be against us? Now, how confident does that make you this morning? Knowing that if God is in you, nothing can stand against you. That if God is working for you, that if divine power is working in you, then literally anything that comes against you in this world can be overcome, can be defeated. And our big idea today is this, let hope rise because divine power is released to the believer. And if you're a note taker, I encourage you to use the notes in your bulletin. And then if you don't have it yet, grab one of the three ring binders that are out there in the foyer for you and keep them. Uh, it, it, just a great resource to come back to over, the t- over time. Divine power is released to the believer. And I have four thoughts for us today. And don't worry, those four thoughts are going to take the exact same amount of time as three thoughts would normally take on a Sunday morning, Okay. The Holy Spirit is working on us today, I'm telling you. I know he started working first thing early this morning because if you see my post on Facebook, Christy was early. She was ready early for church today. We left the house three minutes early and it was awesome. I know God is at work in our house right now. Something special is occurring. It's, uh... Y'all pray for me after service today. It's, uh... Y'all pray for me. He's going to continue to work. I know. I know he is. So thought number one is this. Receiving God's power is humbling. It's humbling. 
When we think about receiving power or somebody receiving power in our world, it's usually so we, we, we think that they are, they are lifted up. And, and oftentimes as people are lifted up, their opinion of themselves gets equally lifted up. And, and so, you, you know, down here, you're, all, you're in the trenches with somebody and they're the nicest person on, planet, on the planet. I mean, it's, they're cool, they're good, they're, you're, you're good with them. And, and then they get elevated one step above you and they turn into the world's lar- largest jerk. And, and, and you don't even know what happened. Nothing really changed. They're the same person, the same, you're the same person. You're like, hey, Bob, and he's like, whatever. What's that all about? Well, I am now over you in this company, in this situation, and so now you know, I'm, I'm, you're not my equal any longer. And that's what the world says about power, that, that the higher you get and the more power you, you amass in life that you can look down on other people. In fact, the old saying is absolute power corrupts absolutely. And, and in, a, in a human nature, in, in this earth, Oftentimes, sadly, that is true. But in the realm of the Spirit, in God's power, it's not true at all. In fact, it's, it's a humbling experience whenever we are used by God. His power is operational in us. It becomes a very humbling experience. See, in human understanding of power, it's, it's I've earned this, or I've taken this, or I've, I've achieved this, so I have rights and privileges now that I have gained in my life, and I'm going to use them however I want to. But the power of God cannot be taken. It cannot be demanded. It must be received. It must be received. Now, I know, I know I, I've heard people talk about how, you know, we can command God to do this and do that. And, and you know, God has to do X, Y, Z because we command him to do it in faith. And I would remind you and I that he is God, big G, O, D, God. And that means he doesn't have to do nothing that he don't want to do. Now, that's good. That's good Southern English for you right there. Okay. <laughs> He doesn't have to do what he doesn't do. He's God. He can squish me like a bug. God, you better. And he can say, nope. There is a reality of the confidence that we can have in our relationship with God. As a child of God, just like my sons come into the house and they say, what's for dinner? They don't say, oh, mother, father, would you please provide dinner for us today? They just have an assumption that dinner will be provided. Sometimes they're disappointed. (laughs) They always have food. So here they are essentially commanding that dinner be, you know, provided. And, And that's a relational reality. And so in relationship with God, there are certain assumptions that we can have of God because he's our father and he loves us. But we do not command God like we would a genie of some sort or some surf in our life that just do and go and, and, and so on and so forth. We are humbly accepting the authority that he's placed into our hands. Divine power is released by the will of God to a receiving believer And it's never pride-inducing, it's humbling. It's humbling because we must recognize the giver. Hebrews chapter 11 says it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. 
We must believe that he exists. If there is no belief that he exists, if we do not recognize that he exists, then he cannot and he will not pour out power in our life. He will not give us power and authority. Recognizing the giver means accepting the gift. But it's also humbling because to receive, one must adopt a a posture of humility. We're okay with putting it out there like this. But to receive something means doing this. I was talking to someone recently and I said, I don't know why this person, uh, they're, they're going through a tough time. I don't know why they didn't uh, respond positively to this, this offer of help in, in their life. And they said to me, uh, it, I think we have a problem in Sylvania with offering help and people being willing to receive help. Because in Sylvania, you have to do a little bit, uh, you have to be doing fairly well in order to live in Sylvania. This area is, is an up and coming area and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to be here, but, but never, never, ever, none of us are beyond the moments in life where we're going to need a little help sometimes. None of us. But, but there is a humility in saying, yes, I need help. It, it, personal pride says, no, I got this. I can handle this. I'm okay. And I can tell you, my back's been out of whack more than once because I refused help to do something as small as move the dryer around. I got this. And then I'll, I'll, I'll blow your mind with great stories of how whenever I was 25 years old, I carried dryers and washing machines up three flights of stairs delivering furniture in Chicago. And every one of those stories is true. And I'm not 25 anymore. I'm not saying I'm old. I am saying I'm not 25. And had it been that I'd have accepted some help at 25 and had enough humility to say, yeah, could you you help me carry this dryer up three flights of of stairs in Chicago metro area? If I'd have had the kind of humility to say yes to that, then maybe I wouldn't be having some of the painful issues that I have today. Sometimes we hear about miracles that are happening in third world countries. I say to, if I said to you today, hey, I heard yesterday that God raised someone from the dead in, in Africa, one of the African nations, we would probably think, wow, that's awesome. Praise God for that. And if I said, and God raised somebody dead from, in Flower Hospital yesterday too, you'd probably go, hmm, I'd like to see that verified. Because we have faith to believe that God can do something in this foreign land. And we rarely see, it doesn't matter what, what world you come from. In, in, I was in Indo, uh, no, Philippines, I believe. In the Philippines, there's a, there's a church there. It's a Catholic church called the Church of the Black Christ. And they have a, uh, an ebony Jesus that is in a, um, like this big casket kind of thing. It's got plexiglass all over it. And the only thing sticking out of it is his feet. And the feet have been replaced many times. And I watched as a, as a kid, I watched people crawl for a hundred yards or many yards. I don't know exactly how long. As a little kid, things are bigger in your mind. So, but they would crawl to this, to this statue where the feet were exposed because the belief was if you rubbed whatever ailing part of your body uh, on that, the feet of that Jesus, that, that you would be healed. And so over time, the feet would be rubbed away and they'd have to replace his feet. Thankful that the real Jesus doesn't get rubbed away by use. But, but that was the case there. And, and then I've, I've been to Benny Hinn events. 
Now, you can't get any different than Benny Hinn events in the Church of the Black Christ. And I've only been to one Benny Hinn event because I've heard a lot about Benny Hinn and I've, and I, and I've heard him criticized and I've heard him uplifted all at the same time. And, and he was in the area and I said, I don't want to go, I don't want to talk about something that I don't know anything about. I want to at least go experience it. And I've seen, and I saw people get blessed at this, at this event. I, I, people get healed by this, this uh, image of Jesus over here and, and people experience blessing over here with Benny Hinn and, and I come away with one great revelation and that is this. It has nothing to do with the one that is in the casket over here, the, the cross, the, the image that's in the casket and it really doesn't have anything to do with Benny Hinn. What I absolutely believe is it doesn't matter if Bozo the Clown is standing on the stage or laying in the, in the plexiglass uh, enclosure if people show up with faith believing that Jesus Christ is going to do something great then Jesus tends to do great things in that atmosphere because he loves his people and Jesus isn't as concerned about this or about that as he is about the people that he loves and working in their life and working through their life and blessing their life through his great and mighty power praise God Divine power is released by the will of the believer, of God rather, to the receiving believer. It's humbling on every area. Could it be that we don't see God's power at work in our life like we hear about it operating in other parts of the world because we are not humble enough to receive it and then to live it out? Thought number two, receiving divine power is not difficult, but it is intentional. Every believer receives the Holy Spirit becoming alive in their life. But we get to choose if we're going to use that authority, that power or not. It means accepting the responsibility of it along with the privilege of it. The privilege is you get to buy a car. The responsibility is you have to pay for it and insure it. You have to put gas in it. The weight of God's gift is light. He said, my burden is light. But the responsibility is become a steward of what it is that God's put into your life. Some of us are stressed out because we've received power. We have authority that we are not using. Have you ever worked for a place or seen a place? Do not raise your hand if you're anywhere. If you ever lived in a a situation, you know, don't blink or or nod your head or anything right now. Okay, But, but have you ever been there where... The person there, there was someone in charge, but the person in charge wasn't using their authority to make the situation better. They were just letting crazy happen. And you were sitting there going, ooh, everybody in the organization is stressed. Everybody in the company is messed up. Everybody is going through it. They're struggling with it because nobody's making the decision. The manager, the owner, whatever it may be, had the authority to make the decision, but didn't exercise it. Either they didn't understand it or they didn't recognize that they even had it. Now, it's one thing for other people to look at your life and dismiss the authority you have. It's another thing and a far sadder thing when we don't recognize the authority we have in our own life. I can tell you I've had a couple of embarrassing situations where I have called people to let me into buildings or into rooms for which I had the key in my pocket. But I didn't know I had the key. I I did it here. We have like 37 master keys in this building. Why do we call it a master key if there's 37 of them? I don't get it. But anyway, 
it is a reality that we're working through and dealing with, and God, the Holy Spirit, is helping us with keys. But I called. I asked. I need to help somebody get into a room. I called. Uh, they, 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 somebody came and, and, and said to me, but I thought I gave you the key. I said, I don't, I don't know. They said, do you have your key ring? I said, yes, I do. Pulled it right out of my pocket. And they said, you see that key right there? I said, yes. It's one of about 37. And, and, and they said, that's the key that opens this lot. Well, see, I had tried like 14 other ones, but I didn't get to that one And whenever I made the phone call. But it was embarrassing because all I had to do was put the key in the lock and turn it and the door would have been open. It cost more time. It was disruptive to normal activity. All because I did not recognize that I had the authority to open that door the whole time. You can have authority in your life that you do not recognize because, and you cannot use what you don't recognize. You can't use it for yourself. You can't use it for others. You cannot use it for the kingdom of God. Receiving divine power is not difficult, but it is intentional. And when we intentionally say, Lord, I need you. Holy Spirit, fill me and work through me today. That is an intentional act on your part and on mine. It's recognizing what God has given us and it's beginning to operate within that power. I encourage you tomorrow. I encourage you when you leave here today, whatever it is that you're dealing with, Say, Lord, I intentionally step into the power of the Holy Spirit right now in my life. I intentionally walk into it. I receive it. I accept it. And see what God does with that in your world. Thought number three is this. God offers divine power to the obedient and aligned. Obedient and aligned. Obedience is the attractant. If you look at Acts chapter 1... Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. Now, they had to go to Jerusalem. They had to obey him. They could have gone to Caesarea and waited till they were gone from this earth. And nothing would have happened. Because they were not obedient to the words of Jesus. When he said, go to Jerusalem... What they knew is if we go to Jerusalem and we wait, we will receive. Obedience was the attractant. If you've not experienced God's power in your life, I would really ask you, examine yourself. Are you walking in obedience or disobedience to the words of Christ in your life? If you've not felt God, move with power in your world. Are you operating in obedience? Obedience is the attractant, but alignment regulates the flow. It regulates the flow. I'll give you an example. In my, in my family, we have a couple of cars, and, and my boys are free to use the cars as long as they are in alignment with our family values. If they are not in alignment with our family values, they do not get to use the car. If I have to wonder where are they going to be, are they going to be where they said they're going to be? Are they doing what they said they're going to do? Are they, if I have to think those thoughts, then they don't get to use the vehicle. It sits in the driveway. I don't care if it rots in the driveway. It's not going anywhere because they're not in alignment. But when they're in alignment, 
I hear, Dad, yeah, I'm taking the car and I'm going to blah place. Okay. And then I track them on their phones. <laughs> then I text them, who's there? Send me pictures. I don't ask for pictures. I haven't done that yet. That's a good idea, though. I just thought of it. <laughs> if there's alignment, there's liberty and freedom and power. There's transportational power in their hands. But if there's no alignment, it goes away. In Acts 2, those who aligned with the words of Jesus, they received a flow of power from the Holy Spirit. If you're saying, I just don't, I don't sense that the Holy Spirit is really flowing with authority and power through my life. My question would be, are you aligned with him? It's, it's like expecting the water uh, hose to run beautifully whenever the, the part that's supposed to be screwed on to the spigot is just hanging off to the side. The spigot's running. There's no problem with the spigot. But if that's not aligned, you're not getting any water through the hose. We are not the producers of authority and of the Holy Spirit. We are the conduits through which the Holy Spirit's power operates. So the conduit must be aligned with the source of authority in order for it to work. If you need the authority of God to work in your life, I ask you to examine your alignment of your life. Receiving and operating in divine power is governed by obedience and alignment. And this does not mean it does not mean perfection. It does mean repentant. Well, if I want God to work in my life, I must be perfect. No, you don't. Repentant, yes. Perfect, no. It means I must force things to happen because the Holy Spirit's in me. I've got, a, I've got that power in me, so I've just got to... No, not forceful, but it does mean willing. Willing to allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. It doesn't mean loud. Some people get freaked out about when you start talking about the Holy Spirit and things about the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because what does that mean? What does that mean I have to do? Do I have to, hey, make some kind of a big demonstration? You know, I'm, I'm not willing to do that. I don't want to do that. Some people are, you know, the scariest thing in the world would be for them to be up here right now doing what I'm doing right now. Going, hey, like that right there. It just freak them out entirely. You don't have to be loud. You do have to be certain. You do have to be declarative. You can whisper it. Real authority and power doesn't have to be screamed. Parents, if you have authority in your home, you don't have to scream at your children to get your point across. Now look at there, I was doing so good right up until that moment right there. <laughs> Bosses, if you're operating in authority, you don't have to scream to get your point across. Teachers, I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> whatever it may be, whatever area you're in, if you're operating with authority, when you lose it, it's because you've lost it. Authority operates with strength, with confidence. And it's the same authority, whether it's screaming or it's whispering. True power is not loud or aggressive or perfect, but it is confident and declarative. 
And that leads us to point or thought number four. And thought number four is this. Divine power is used for kingdom purpose. Kingdom purpose. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. He doesn't say, and you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you and it will be like a genie in a bottle. Ask it anything you want and it'll do whatever you say. He said, you're going to receive power and you're going to be my witnesses. Now here's the question. The question is, does the power of the Holy Spirit work on behalf of the believer? The answer is yes, because you are part of his kingdom. I'm part of his kingdom. So my sons are part of my house. So whatever benefits my house is going to benefit my sons. You're part of his kingdom. So the Holy Spirit's power is going to benefit and bless you in your life. Absolutely. But as power is manifested on a greater and greater level, the more kingdom focused you are. Just saying, I, I just I want to know how to align myself so that this Holy Spirit's power can work through me the way that you're talking about it. Get kingdom focused. Get kingdom focused. You are a witness for Christ as your life reflects the character of Christ. What's the character of Christ? Galatians 5. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the fruits of the Spirit that when manifest in our life, they are reflecting the character of Christ and they are witnessing of Him in the world around us. The, the power of Christ in demonstration, just one place that you can see gifts of the Spirit is in 1 Corinthians 12. As the Spirit is, is blessing people with gifts to operate in power and demonstrate His authority in the world. In all kinds of different ways. The fruit of the Spirit... The gifts of the Spirit, they are all for the purpose of building the believer and building the kingdom of God. That's what they're for. Will they benefit and bless you? Yes. Are they there to make you rich and powerful? No. Will they benefit your life on every level? So you and I can let hope rise because divine power is working us in us. Through Christ, we are not victims of life, but we are victors in life. You're not a victim today. Bad things may have happened to you, and I do not discount that at all. I'm not minimizing that in any way. But I am saying that if you have divine power working in you, then whatever has happened in your life, his power can overcome it. His power can help you work through it. His power can defeat the ramifications of that thing. And in this series, we've talked about letting hope rise. So that, and we do it by remembering that Jesus did rise. He is alive. And he can make what died to live again. We, we said that the past has been forgiven. I thank God that my past has been forgiven. Thank you, Jesus, for it. That our understanding can be unlocked. We don't have to walk in darkness, but we can have clarity in our lives. That unbelief can be defeated. And all of this can happen because the Holy Spirit, divine power, has been released into the lives of the believers. Whatever you're dealing with today, 
whatever you're going to face tomorrow, can I tell you that you can handle it and you can handle it not because you're so awesome, although you are. You're awesome, but you're not that awesome. When the Holy Spirit begins to work in you, though, it takes your awesomeness to a whole new level because his power begins to work in you. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, we're talking about power that we cannot truly comprehend. The power that said, arise, and the girl rose up, the boy rose up. The power that said, peace, and the wind and the waves stopped. The power that said, it allowed you to walk through a crowd that wanted to kill you and destroy you. Truly, we have no hope outside of you. And with your power, we have all hope and all power and all ability working within us. So give us the courage today to intentionally accept it. Allow somebody to pray, Lord Jesus, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Make me aware of your power working through me. And give us the strength to be able to operate in your authority, Lord Jesus. The humility to not try to take it over ourselves. But let you handle what needs to be handled through us. We give you thanks and praise for that in Jesus' name. And let everybody say amen. 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 Let's stand. And as we sing this closing song, I invite our elders to come forward. If you're in the house and you need prayer in any area of your life, Just make your way forward and let's join together in prayer together and let Jesus do something in Jesus' name. Amen.